you start with a problem. Yeah. Um, so I understand the problem that you want to solve, and that has not changed. So right. I think many people in technology try to start with a solution because they have a great idea of what technology can do. Mm, But yeah. you should go back to understand the problem that you want to solve or the client need. If you have a client or a customer, what is really the need that you want to address? today is the definition of a boss lady in power. She speaks business and understands technology. Her mission is achieving a better collaboration between business and technology from the board down. Her experience as a C-suite executive and a non-executive director enables her to bring better technology governance to the boardroom. Welcome to the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa. Today, we're going to be talking about the relevance of technology to entrepreneurs in addressing the impact of COVID-19. And with that said, our hearts and prayers go out to those who may be in need, that maybe need a bit of support. Do not forget to, you know, social distance, keep washing your hands, please be as sanitary as you possibly can. And, you know, we'll, we'll get through this together. Now, dabbling into her experience, she is the founder and principal consultant of Akoyuvis, I believe, I hope I haven't butchered the name, <laughs> and provides governance, change, management, and technology advisory in Africa and Europe. Clients include a global fortune of 500 companies, as well as family-owned and medium-sized firms. I mean, just a plethora of experience that we can look forward to hearing from today. All right, then. So first of all, thank you so much for being with us today. It's um, a pleasure, Savannah. Yeah, I've just read about your experience and a bit more about you. And I'm, I'm, I'm in actual awe. <laughs> Why? <laughs> There's so much here. Like you are more or less like an embodiment of like, you know, boss lady, ladies in power. So I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm honored to be a part of this podcast as well. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. So, um, but you also will have recognized that it took a while to go, um, like to, to accomplish what I did. Um, so it, uh, it's a long history of career. And uh, I learned in recent years that uh, the most relevant are actually the last 10 years. And I agree yeah. with that because the world is changing so fast. And the last 10 years, I'm actually working in advisory. So I help large corporates and middle and small and medium-sized enterprises to um, improve effectively the communication between their technology people and their business people. And of course, I draw on my previous experience and my previous experience is in consulting. I've worked with Accenture. And I've worked in a couple of very senior executive roles. I was a CIO for a public sector organization and I was vice president corporate strategy with Lufthansa Systems. So obviously this all helps me now to give advice. But um, yeah. most recently I've actually advised corporates in Europe and in Africa on how to improve uh, the collaboration and communication between business and technology. Um, I do this from the board down. So I uh, myself have served on corporate boards and I know how difficult it can be to kind of get the communication going between people who speak kind of a technology lingo that is not familiar to many senior executives. Um, and, um, and I also have help projects or department heads who have like the same mission of kind of getting technology adopted in an organization. 
All right. So um, that goes perfectly into telling us what your experience has been like and who you are as a person within the corporate industry. Um, so maybe you can tell us something that we can't find on the internet about you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, what you can't find on the internet. Um, okay. Um, if you stay with the theme of technology and um, business, um, what I actually don't like, and um, I, sometimes I'm put into a category of tech people. I don't right. like to be a tech pe- person. I'm, uh-huh. uh, I'm someone who is kind of crossing the boundaries between industries and technology and business constantly. Mm-hmm. And um, I find in general terms, I don't like it that the society is split into tech and non-tech people. I oh, think okay. it, uh, technology impacts all our lives. And uh, to kind of use a phrase that is now used um, in the context of the pandemic of COVID-19, um, we are all in this together. So nobody will kind of escape technology. So why should we split the, its society into tech and non-tech people? So I la- don't like to do that. And I like to help people who are a bit more distant from tech. And um, I like to help people who are deep in tech to kind of kind of get out of it a bit and talk to people who maybe have a problem understanding what they are talking about. All right. So that goes perfectly into my, into my next question. Why do you think technology is hugely relevant into a business and what critical areas about a business necessitate the use of technology? Okay. Um, this, I think the major elements or um, concepts that have been mm-hmm. impacted with the emerging of technology are that we, there are three, actually. It's distance. We can cover distances in a way that we couldn't cover them before. And um, since you have looked at uh, my my uh, career, in any case, I can actually remember a time without email. Right. The, you couldn't talk to someone who was in the US unless you spent a fortune on a very, very expensive phone call. Yeah. Um, so we can cover distance. I can talk to you while you are in Kenya and while I'm in London. Um, speed is the other concept that has changed we are now used to getting everything in this instant or in the next few hours and this was very different without technology the third one is and this is more relevant going forward is depth Um, we can also now penetrate um, topics in much more depth as we could before yeah. Uh, with that, I mean, we can now analyze, we have, like, to, to keep it in, on uh, on the more technology level, we have navigational data, which would help us improve logistics, but we also have healthcare data that we didn't have before, like about mm-hmm. our own bodies. We yeah. all wear a watch that tracks what we, um, what calories we consumed a day, how many steps we did a day, how yeah. many hours we slept a day, how much screen time we had a day. This was a, is a level of depth that was impossible um, before technology. Putting this into the context of business, I think there are uh, different um, levels of impact also. There are businesses that are effectively only technology. I mean, they didn't exist in that state before. For example, online gaming. There was just no online gaming before technology. There were games, but you needed to sit in front of someone. Um, So they they really thrive on technology only. Um, But then there are others which are industries which are just severely disrupted. For example, the taxi industry with Uber or with um, uh, Kobo 360 in Nigeria, which helps truck drivers to get more information on where they go, or with Mm -hmm. Yego in Rwanda, where the 
cab driver industry or any kind of mobility is hugely impacted and disrupted. Um, and then there are industries where you think, well, there is not really much of a change. Um, if you go, for example, for arts or like other creativity-driven uh, industries, but still these industries need marketing, they need, um, they need their accounting done, um, they in many cases use, use digital media, so they might not be driven by technology, but they to excel and to sell in their fields, I think they make use of technology. And yeah. it's important to understand that I think everyone kind of has exposure to technology today. And some people mm -hmm. are, find it easier to embrace it than others. All right. Great. So um, obviously COVID-19 is impacting the way we live and work. In a quick assessment, how has the world adapted to the various technologies available to mitigate the challenges brought about by this pandemic? What are your thoughts on okay. that? Um, well, I think there's, um, there's an, an obvious one, right? We are, um, we are using Zoom suddenly uh, much more often and many people who have never used it before suddenly use it for the first time. So yeah. we are trying to to create social proximity while we stay physically apart, which is now like a requirement. Um, so this is an easy example for how technology is kind of um, coming into our lives. And I find also more and more people who have like shied away from this before feel that they, they lose too much contact um, if they don't engage using this kind of... Uh, like social media or um, conference calls and video call technology. I find other um, uh, technologies that are quicker adapted now are probably in the logistics and supply chain because there is a lot of disruption happening with the pandemic and lots of this uh, industry is trying to catch up. Yeah. Um, banking will probably benefit because digital payments are becoming much more necessary because you know you can't just go somewhere and also in some cases it seems to have proven that the that cash actually carries the virus so you try to avoid cash and yeah. many um, businesses now try to actually ban cash I've seen many and I would not have expected them to do it before um, but uh, what we should also be aware of is that other people try to exploit this um, this trend of going more digital. So um, we need to be more aware of cyber security and cyber risks because people just exploit the um, unawareness on, and less lack of experience of some of the people using social media, for example. Um, and then also there are people who kind of really lose in this pandemic and they feel kind of disadvantaged and try to kind of grab opportunities that normally they're probably... You know, normally they would not have done bad things, but now they don't see a choice. So we, we all need to be more careful than we were before. Okay, so with that said, like, you know, obviously we, we're seeing a lot of companies take this as an opportunity to sort of even go more digital. Um, how about those who are struggling to either catch up or fight or, you know, start with the basic steps? So... My question is, how should businesses and entrepreneurs start this journey towards digital innovation in their enterprises? Um, I think this is actually something that has not changed. Um, right. I think you start, you start with a problem. 
Yeah. Um, so <laughs> understand the problem that you want to solve, and that has not changed. So right. I think many people in technology try to start with a solution because they have a great idea of what technology can do. Mm, but yeah. you should go back to understand the problem that you want to solve or the client need. If you have a client or a customer, what is really the need that you want to address? Um, and really understand that problem in depth, talk to client, talk to, uh, go do some field work, get some data on the, the industry or the problem that you want to address. Um, and this can be a new product. It can also be improvements to like what you're customers experience today it can also be just being more efficient and not many companies will suffer economically from this pandemic because they have to shut down for a few weeks or they can't help all their clients in the way that they wanted to serve them so cost cutting might actually be an objective so get your operations to be more lean and this can be achieved with technology but find the problem you want to solve first before you head on this uh, forward with technology Okay, so, um, you know, speaking of problems and problem solvers, rather, um, so which areas in our societies currently need these solutions the most? Because everybody's trying to look for innovative digital solutions, obviously with the rise of um, the digital economy. So which areas in a society do you think really need these solutions? Um, I think there many people currently are surprised that actually the healthcare sector is suffering a lot. We all think they are now in most demand, which is true to some elements of it, like hospitals. But all other, like uh, uh, medical services, um, doctors, uh, surgeries, like the small ones, they actually don't service other than emergencies. Yes, uh, babies are delivered and bones are mended, but otherwise you don't go for a checkup. Yeah. Because you want to avoid the personal contact. So I think one industry that would benefit is healthcare by allowing more remote diagnostics, more virtual mm-hmm. attendance by doctors, so yeah. that we can continue being served while we keep a physical distance. Um, and a lot of people currently get unemployed, actually, um, be, if they work in healthcare, um, because they can't continue serving their um, patients. Yeah. Um Another, um, if you want to call it an industry or a sector, a sector right. would be um, government, from my ah, point of view. Definitely, yeah. Uh, because I, um, if you kind of take a 30,000 feet altitude in the last, whatever, 20 years, uh, yeah. you could get the impression that um, large corporates have more influence than governments because they kind of govern the world to some extent, you know, the very big ones, the Amazons and Googles. Right, and yeah. with the pandemic, governments are actually claiming back some of their influence. But they are the least prepared digitally because they lag behind in adopting technology. So I think governments really need to catch up. And um, they will also because they feel that they're probably looking back that they could have managed this pandemic better if they would have better means of communications, faster decision-making, more data available on the pandemic and on their population in general. So I think yeah. the government sector would be a very um, important sector to kind of put more focus on digitizing their um, processes and the services that they offer. Yeah. A third one I, I want to mention 
while we need to kind of look at the short term and how we navigate the immediate um, circumstances, we should not forget that in the longer run, our problems pretty much remain the same. So we will still face climate change. Yeah. Um, even though currently it kind of in the media, it doesn't seem to happen any longer. But I think environmental services uh, would benefit a lot from more digitization. With that, I mean um, measuring pollution, uh, water and air quality and find the people who pollute and kind of um, measure the quality so that we really can keep track of climate change and try to make the best of the situation we have. All right, so some tech-savvy businesses have um, still been forced to close down due to COVID-19. What advice would you give these entrepreneurs and business owners as they think of their next steps? Um, I mean, this is a very, um, it's a very sad situation. And um, I think the, the uncertainty that comes with that, not just for yeah. the business, but also for the person, the entrepreneur, mm -hmm. yeah. is a very challenging situation for many. And... Yeah. In, to this extent, I think we all have not experienced this before. So even in my much longer career, I've never seen this before. Right. Um, and uncertainty um, does something to us that um, some experts call a status quo bias. Mm, we, okay. we very much feel we are in the moment now and we forget to look beyond. And we feel if we are feeling frightened, sometimes we are also paralyzed. So we continue to look at the status quo without kind of distancing ourselves from the status quo and saying okay let's look beyond that so what can we still what can we do about the situation with the skills yeah. and capabilities that we have and we obviously are strong otherwise we would not have made it so far mm -hmm. um, so without um, losing sight of what needs to be done immediately um, I suggest that uh, entrepreneurs look back to what the value proposition was that they started with. Okay. So they, they should remember, or they will remember, what was the reason I started this business in the first place? And then if, you, if they look at this, they will see that some of the value, propo the, the value the proposition either still holds or it doesn't. Yeah. So if it still holds, find a way to make it work. And if this is mostly a cash flow problem, try to fix a cash flow problem and consider this to be a question of a few months, not a few years, yeah. is my recommendation. Um, and, uh, and find a way to deliver the value that you initially wanted really to deliver. So it's what I call resilience. You have a strong belief that this is a value that you can create. So develop, develop a product that can deliver this value and don't be... Uh, thrown off track because of a pandemic stick yeah. to your beliefs and find a way to address it and find this way finding this way requires you to yes to kind of quickly make decisions about the immediate time mm -hmm. but yeah. also develop scenarios to kind of navigate this uncertainty and it's a bit like being in a fog you don't know what's beyond the fog but you can yeah. have ideas of what might emerge and you need to continuously update your thinking on on what might be in the medium-term future. Mm. But you might also be an entrepreneur who finds, well, my value proposition really doesn't work any longer with this situation being changed so much. It could be that your prospect clients are so badly impacted that you don't expect them to be in need of your product in the future. Could okay. be. Um, but then I, I suggest that um, 
don't don't feel to be a victim. I would very closely try to understand the current situation and listen to people without kind of um, judging too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's um, yeah. really get the facts and don't and realize what you can change and what you can't change. And if you realize the things that you can't change, go on and find another way to deploy your skills um, and the capabilities you have to generate value. I, I would look for opportunities that you may have not looked at before because we have never been in this situation. So there might be something new, even more exciting out there that you could pursue as, uh, as an idea for your clients or your products. So you've, ta- you've tackled a bit on how to manage uncertainty and, you know, what next steps some businesses should take. Uh, maybe you have a, a bit of a few more pointers that you may add on how to manage uncert- on uncertainty due to like limited number of scenarios. And, you know, they can only plan and prepare for so much. So what further advice would you give them? Yeah, I think there is actually even some uh, some wording that some, uh, re- will have some uh, uh, find the ears of technology people. Uh, we should, um, I think, move towards more a thinking of probabilities rather than having like binary outcomes. Um, so it's it's not like this the way will, the world will move this way or this way. So in, in the end, it might at some point be like this. But for now, standing in this fog that I mentioned earlier, we should think of how likely is this outcome and this outcome. And um, we should really try to understand the current situation as good as we can with making an effort to really understand what is happening and listening to people, even if we don't agree with what they say, because they might have more influence than us, um, to, to understand what the scenarios are that might play out in the future. And then there is probability in different scenarios and different developments that will kind of um, enlighten our thinking on where our business might go. And I believe thinking in opportunities is better than thinking in kind of these are threats and worries and problems, which are also, they are more most often related to the immediate situation. And I suggest looking looking forward might be the better way to address the situation. And I find this challenging myself, don't get me wrong, right? I also, you know, I've, I don't know, I'm still receiving refunds from three different airlines and da da da, you know, you can right. really get entangled in the current situation. But looking beyond that is what keeps me sane also in uh, after weeks of uh, being locked down in one place, which is very unusual for me. Uh, maybe you can highlight further on how we can ensure proper personal management with that, because obviously it's a very uncertain time. And, you know, moments like this in a pandemic, lives get disrupted. So do you have any personal key tips that you have, you know, applied in your in your time being in like maybe quarantine or isolation that, you know, sort of maintained your, your personal management? Yeah, well, let's uh, let's start with um, some of the words that you used and I have used them also. So um, I actually don't feel isolated. Okay. I'm not in quarantine. I'm in a in a country where there is a lockdown. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I can leave the house only for certain reasons, but I don't feel isolated. Okay. Um, and. I also find that social distancing is actually a misnomer. Okay. What we are practicing is physical distancing. And we should be aware that words have a lot of power over us. So we should be aware of what the words are that we use. 
So what we should try to achieve while we have physical distance is actually social proximity. Okay. This is why I, I find um, sometimes, you know, I feel I need to speak with someone like a friend I trust where I, do, where I can speak honestly. And then we, we meet for a video chat. We actually drink a glass of wine together. You can do that. <laughs> so you can create social proximity yeah. while we are physically distant. Yeah. But words, words are very powerful. Several, um, um, several friends have asked me um, in which place I'm... Uh, kind of hold back and not hold back anywhere you know yeah. I can actually move around where I am so it's I try not to use negative terms for the current situation because it makes your mind um, think even more negative about the situation make the best of it yeah and you can have a lot of social proximity with a lot of people but what I also find is um, yes I can meet people on the screen and see their face and their smile and their eyes and drink a glass of wine. Yeah. But there should, for me at least, also a limit to screen time. So I know that uh, depending on the generation you belong to, you might find 18 hours of screen time perfectly normal. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so I try, I try to give myself some, some hour a day or hours a day and maybe also a day a week right. where I try to limit my screen time. Okay. Because we still have a beautiful nature around us. Um, we might have some people around us where we are like living within the same house. So spend time with, with the people that you are around with. Yeah. Um, I also find managing my, like slowing down my, my thinking helps. I do yoga. Right. You can do, I know I have friends who are like, who don't like the physical aspect of yoga. They do meditation. But, you know, in this kind of situation where there is a lot of fear and uncertainty, our brain sometimes goes astray, like in ways we don't necessarily want. So it's, we have the strength to, to refocus. Right. So we should try to make an effort to do that. And you, uh, you know, I do yoga classes online. You find lots of for free um, YouTube yoga classes, YouTube meditation. This is all yeah. available if you know how to make um, use of it. I also find it's important to reach out to people who matter to you. So even if they are not of the, like constantly online, make a phone call. And the strongest um, means you have to connect with someone else's mind is your voice. Right. So if you have a choice between sending a message, even to people where you know they are used to WhatsApp messages or whatever, if you want yeah. to really connect with someone... If you maybe even, you are even worried about someone, use your voice. Your voice is your strongest instrument if you want to really, really connect to someone. And there is lots of research about this. So it's, uh, uh, it's, um, it's also helpful to see someone. So if you have uh, internet connection, which is good enough, use a video. But um, just talking to someone, even if it's a recorded, like a podcast, uh, if it's a recorded yeah. voice, you connect better than in writing. Right. So um, these are these are things that I try to to do to manage myself because um, we as uh, as we have um, influence on other people either as business leaders, advisors, entrepreneurs. I think if we want to have a positive impact on others, yeah. we need to be healthy ourselves in the first place. And this is what I'm trying to do for myself and. Uh, I'm, uh, I hope many other people do the same so that we emerge from this um, crisis situation 
actually stronger because we know how to handle this the next time. And I would always suggest that we see the opportunity in a situation and not the um, not the problems, right, even yeah. though we have to address them. But look, look forward, look beyond that and see also what you have learned in this time. And there is a lot we learn and we don't re recognize uh, right now. We don't, uh, we don't give ourselves credit for how well we actually manage. Wow. So you've dropped so many gems here. And, you know, <laughs> it's advice upon advice. And, you know, just to finish this off, like what encouraging words would you have for our listeners so that they can embody resilience at this point in time and in other trying moments as well? Um, yes, uh, I would I would connect with people who um, who can um, help you go through this challenging situation right. and people who are positive, yeah. who can um, help you see the opportunity in this crisis or opportunities and how this can strengthen you, actually. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, so, so much for taking time out of, your, out of your schedule to be with us. It was a pleasure, Savannah. Um, yeah, so we hope to chat with you in the near future or on and off the podcast. Uh, yeah.